Welcome to the Affable Chad Movie Trivia Game Show. I'm your host, Benjamin, and today our contestant is a musical artist from Atlanta, Georgia. If you've ever heard his music before, you know it's great like vanilla, and his tunes easily get caught in this messy mind of mine. You don't need a Polaroid to see this invisible man, because he's right here with us today. Please welcome Nick Heredia. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me today. Nick, we've brought you here today to test your knowledge of movie trivia in three of our games. Are you ready to play? I am as ready as I'm going to be. All right, then let's get right to it. In our first game, it's called Multiple Choice. I'll give you a question and four possible answers. If you pick the right answer, you'll get a point. Sound good? Sounds fabulous. All right. So these questions have been specially sourced and created by our very own writers, and they are on movies that we know you've seen. So we are hoping that you can look back through your own internal catalog of films that you viewed and come to the right answers. This first one is from The Emperor's New Groove. Ooh, okay. At the beginning of the film, Kuzco has an old man tossed out the window of his palace. Why was this man thrown out of the palace? Is it A, he had the same birthday as the emperor? Is it B, he threw off the emperor's groove? Is it C, he was secretly Yzma in disguise? Or is it D, he was testing out new wings that he had built? Ooh, that is a tough one, but I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I've seen Emperor's New Groove, but I believe the answer is B, for throwing off the Emperor's Groove. That is correct! Well done. Yeah, the, uh, you know, at the beginning we have the Cusco kind of uh, theme number. song, and he's getting groovy, and he bumps into this old guy and then <laughs> has one of his soldiers inform the guy that he threw off the Emperor's Groove and tosses him out the window. I'm sorry, but unfortunately you've thrown off the Emperor's Groove. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. I mean, you, you didn't even have to see the movie to get that one to just to recognize that, because that was definitely easy, in the trailer. That's in the trailer. That's, an easy, that's a good warm-up one. That's, oh, yes. Uh, very, very nice. Yeah, I, I recently re-watched The Emperor's New Groove. Really? How recent? Like a month and a half ago, two months ago, very maybe. Nice. And it's, it holds up so well. So yeah. hilarious. There's a reason why my own mother, you know, when, the, when that movie had come out and all those other Disney movies had come out, she obviously would come and drag me, to the, or I, not drag me, I'd drag her to these movies. I'd be like, Mom, let's go see this, these new Disney movies, including Atlantis, uh, Treasure Planet, and The Emperor's New Groove. And it's funny because I remember that movie specifically, she loved it. As an oh, yeah. adult, you still enjoy certain Disney movies that come out, and that is no... No, no exception. No exception. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the voice acting was great. Uh, the kind of transformation <laughs> we see Cusco through go Dope, through is definitely, definitely satisfying. Do you get the Pacha meme. Yes, Pacha. It? I mean, honestly, when I watched that movie, I was doing the Pacha <laughs> meme because it still is kind of perfect. Yeah, and and honestly, so many people, including my mom, I think their favorite character was Kronk. Because Kronk yes, is just Patrick so funny. Warburton just nails that role so gold he's so he's not even like one of the two main characters and and he's like yeah he's just a side character and he's just so funny yeah so yeah great uh, great work on question number one let's move on to question number two golden this one's about the three 
Amigos. When the Amigos were journeying through the desert, they set up camp and enjoy some bats prepared over the campfire. The bats hunted by Ned are actually this served on skewers. Is it A, chicken, B, bacon, C, bat, or D, rat? Mm. I'm going to go with A, chicken. It is incorrect. The correct answer is B, bacon. That was going to be my next guess. I was like, it has to be either chicken or bacon. But bacon kind of, I should have guessed that because it definitely, you can tell in that scene. It's been a while since I've seen Three Amigos, but I remember having a crispy crunch. It was such a crunch. It was, okay, to tell you the truth, (laughs) if I had been asked this question, I probably would have just doubled down and said, Bat. Bat, yeah. I, was like, I almost I'm, was like, is it bat or, or rat, you know, something that can roast on that? <laughs> yeah, because they looked so crunchy. And honestly, it might sound gross, but they looked actually kind of delicious. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's just what people did back in those days. They ate bats. I guess so. Somehow. I mean, I mean if the Three Amigos is anything, it's historically accurate. So <laughs> we have to believe that there were cowboys out there actually yeah. eating bats. Everyone knows Three Amigos is actually based on a true story <laughs> or inspired by one. It's, re- it's one of my favorites, though. It's such a goofy, silly movie with so many hilarious scenes in There's it. There's definitely um, that story that, that that three amigos tells has been done like many other times before. I'm pretty sure the Magnificent Seven is like. Basic. Oh really? It's in that realm of like a group of people who need to save a town. So but it, they're but like, I don't know if they're they're like or, unlikely heroes, but yeah. then end up becoming yeah, heroes. Because there's another one. I don't think it's the Last Samurai, but there's like an uh, a yeah. There's like a samurai version of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, and I I forgot what it's called, but it's like this again. It's that same kind of story that's like unlikely heroes requested to save a group of you know people, right? And and in that that realm. But Three Amigos is my personal fave because it has that comedy element. It's got three amazing comedy SNL you know people: Martin Short, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and uh, and the dialogue is great it's it's amazing and uh and it goes out of the way to have so many like just throw away stupid scenes yes. that are only in there just to be funny just for the bit yeah no absolutely the my little buttercup is so like it's like over the top in production value and it's just to be <laughs> like the they're movie guys like yes. they are actors performers like this is who they are well i think one of my favorite underrated moments in three amigos is when they're in they're all sharing one bed in the mexican like town and they're trying to figure out like what are you gonna do with your with your you know riches from help from helping yeah. perform and they all have these different like ideas and whatnot um it's just such a funny bit because i'm pretty sure martin short's character is the one that's like i want to donate it to chair like actually yeah. Like, like, oh like, yeah that, we were we were gonna do that too besides the car that I was gonna get and and you know all the parties we we're gonna do right right we'll do all that we'll do charity first of course <laughs> yeah. you know then uh, so good uh yeah great fantastic movie all right you're one of two let's see if you can get number three so this is about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Golden. To create the sounds of the spectators during the pod race scene, sound designer Ben Burt took a recorder to this location and recorded the crowd's reactions. Is it A, a Wimbledon tennis match, B, a Michael Jackson concert, C, a NASCAR race at Darlington Motor Speedway, or D, a San Francisco 49ers game. 
I think it's C, a um, the other game, <laughs> the NASCAR race. A NASCAR race yeah. at Darlington Motor Speedway. Is that mm-hmm. your final answer? That is my final answer. That is incorrect. Oh. The correct answer was D, a San Francisco 49ers game. Wow. Right? And doesn't that sound like something I would make up yes. and like add in 100% here? 100% it does. I couldn't that, believe that. Uh, um, that is actually very cool. Considering how... <clears throat> Phantom Menace was, you know, at the time it was like 1999. So you and I were like four years old. And I know that we both have seen that movie because we both watched it all the time. Yes. when it came out and was on VHS I and mean, DVD. If, you and I as kids, there's nothing we loved more than a political drama. So, of course, <laughs> of course, the Phantom Menace was like top tier entertainment for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it had nothing to do with like lightsaber battles. <laughs> we were like, "Yes, vote now." Yeah. <laughs> we love that part. When they said they were going to have a vote of no confidence as Chancellor Valorum, I said, "Wow, I'm four years old and I understand what that means." Such <laughs> <laughs> soap opera nonsense. Uh, yes. So, um, so yeah, I, I did throw you off a little bit on that one. That's, That's tough. Good, but I, I was impressed that the 49ers fans were still, you know, able to kind of be that loud. Uh, I'm sure That's there was plenty great. of, you know, they probably chose the 49ers because they're always yelling out random stuff in foreign alien languages. <laughs> so that probably helped them really. Well, well you know what? We can, I can attest to that since you personally have taken me to a Niners game. And I do remember hearing aliens and, and Jabba the Hutt going, Buta, fita, toba, like, all sorts of nonsense. That like is, that. So, yeah, we were definitely sitting in front of uh, like a, a group of Gungans actually when we went to see the game. When we went to see the Niners play the Rams. <laughs> Everyone knows aliens also love American football. That's it's so true. It is so true. Uh, okay, that's uh, you know you still only one point so far, but yeah. you've got a lot of questions left. A lot of great opportunities to get your po- points total up. So let's continue with question number four. This one's about Inception. Okay. In Inception, this actor performed all but one of their own stunts during the fight scene in the spinning hallway. Is it A, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, B, Leonardo DiCaprio, C, Tom Hardy, or D, Brad Pitt? Damn. That, that is almost a tough one, even though I know Brad Pitt was an Inception, which, <laughs> side note, would be incredible if he was. But... I know the answer to be A, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That is correct. Ha-ha! Well done. It was Joseph Gordon-Levitt who, you know, recounted all of the brutal days of filming where he was just inside that hallway trying to navigate and not fall down. Damn. Really some impressive stuff. And, you know, we recently did an episode about Inception. The practical effects are so amazing. They really hold up and make that movie still have that kind of magic that it had when it came out in 2010 because of all those practical effects. Wow. That's, that is really endearing to the film industry at that time. It was only 2010. Uh, now we're in 2023, and that's, you know, that's 13 years and how much the industry itself has already started like really changing uh, as far as a, like, an effect, a special effects Definitely. You know, position I, goes. I, as much as CGI and all these other computer graphics yeah. become better and better, I still am a sucker for practical effects. Oh, I yeah. I feel like there's no replacement for really doing it. Yeah, and, you know, there's so many Inception being one of them. Just so many other film, you know, examples of that. Um, 
I think yesterday you and I were talking about how Terminator 2 is another example. Oh, yes. Just oh, yes. Th- them rolling up their sleeves and doing it. Like, that's that is there is reward in that for sure. I definitely agree. And Inception is a great example of that as well. So, your two of four, half of the questions you've gotten exactly right. So, I think you're off to a great start. Let's move on to our fifth and final question for the multiple choice section. This one is about Space Jam. To keep Michael Jordan happy while filming, Warner Bros. built him this on the set so he could use it whenever he wanted on breaks. Is it A, an exact copy of his house in Chicago? B, a basketball court? C, a fishing boat? Or D, a roller coaster? Dang. Um, what was option B again? B was a basketball court. And option C. A fishing boat. I'm just going to go on a limb and say C, a fishing boat. So Michael Jordan was going to be able to go fishing on a fishing boat on set mm. while he was filming Warner Brothers. That's hit a tough one. Space Jam. Is that your final answer? No. You know what? My final answer is, is B, a basketball court. That is correct. Let's go. That's right. Michael Jordan, possibly the greatest of all time basketball player. Depends who you ask. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, you know, he loved to play basketball. So they built him a court right there on set. In fact, they did the same thing for LeBron James for Space, for Space Jam 2. That's wow. right. Wow. I'm glad I, I, in the end, did change my answer. I just like, I like to think of celebrities not just wanting to just be all about their own persona. And because I know Michael Jordan also played golf, yes. played baseball. Like, you know. And I'm pretty sure he fished, too, if yeah. I remember correctly. As uh, a sport? Well, he just casually. Yeah, I, that's the thing. So I was like, it would, it, it would make sense, but I'm like, mm, you know what? I, I knew, because he's still also the, you know, one of the best in basketball, you ha- I, I was like, it's a safe bet for me to just say basketball. It is a lifestyle. The more yeah. I've learned about basketball players and how basketball players live their lives, it's all about just constantly shooting hoops. Just wherever you can, whenever you can. Even the off season for them yeah. is not really the off season. They're going and playing in tournaments or, you know, just practicing and building with each other. So that's kinda like knowing all the musicians I know who have gone to um be so successful. Um, for example, um someone we went to high school and middle school with, Marcus King, I actually had jazz band with him and all the time, even when it was frustrating, our <laughs> teacher, Mr. Caldwell, he would just be playing and playing and, and I feel like that's that's just a sign of a good artist, someone who just can't stop, who wants to right. keep going and keep doing it because they know they're going to get better with the more practice they do. I kind of in the same way. I like to be able to, whenever I'm passionate about something, I just like to keep sticking through it just to keep expanding and trying. And so, yeah, basketball is no different. I'm sure Michael Jordan was just, and that was, you know, the first Space Jam came out like what, 93 or something like that? Something like 95. that, mid-90s. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, in his like, Prime. That was when Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, Michael (laughs) Jordan was one of like the best athletes at the time. Absolutely. I mean, and still considered one of the best. 96 is when it came out. 96. Gotcha. Which, yeah, is, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was one of those guys who just, he already knew he was the best. Mm -hmm. He was just 
waiting for his opportunity to prove it to everybody. And Space Jam is definitely an example of that. It is very much just glorifying oh, Michael yeah. Jordan the entire time. Especially the first uh, five minutes when that opening scene with him, like a younger version of him, and it becomes the intro Space Jam. And yes. you hear like the song play and it's all just compilations of him being amazing. Yep, yep. Yeah, very, very much so. Okay, well, that is the end of our first game, which is the multiple choice uh, questions. You did well. You got three out of five. Let's get a round of applause for Nick. That's right. We do have a live studio audience in here with us, and we are on to our next game. This next game we're calling Fill in the Blank. I'll read you a sentence with a word or phrase missing. All you have to do is fill in the blank. Fill in the blank correctly to win a point. Are you ready to play? I am so ready. Excellent. Let's get started then. In Back to the Future, when Marty is being judged at the band auditions at the beginning, the judge who stands up to say he is, quote, just too darn loud is played by blank. Huey Lewis. That is correct. Well done. I, I had a feeling you would be able to get this one. I had a hint for you. I'll read the hint for you. This person's songs, The Power of Love and Back in Time, are featured on the movie soundtrack and also wrote Marty's audition song, which is a reorchestrated version of The Power of Love. Yes, I did know that because I remember when I first watched Back to the Future, I, you know, I was obsessed with it. I also was obsessed with the soundtrack. They had the CD and so... I bought it. I remember both Back in Time and The Power of Love being on it. Huey Lewis and the news are incredible for the 80s, and it was such a very pop cultural like moment for that franchise. And for him to be also just in the movie as a judge, and for him to say they're just too darn loud, that's just <laughs> very, very poetic. Yes, and music plays a pretty powerful role in the story of Back to the Future. So I love that Huey Lewis is kind of able to uh, find himself in a cameo role for this movie where his songs are so important to the actual story, but also iconic as like basically the soundtrack, literally the songs of this iconic time travel film. It's funny because, you know, when you said that like the the music actually plays an important role, I'm like, dang, it really does, especially later in the movie when Marty is playing the um, enchantment under the sea dance yes. with, with the band. Like, cause he's trying to, she's like, Oh, this is something maybe your kids will like. And he totally plays them some epic rock and roll version of Johnny B. Good. Whenever something happens that makes me kind of doubt my own existence, I always think about Marty playing the guitar and then he's like, can't play it correctly. Cause he's yes, like he's fading out of reality. <laughs> so cool. Very cool. And honestly, it's cool because they use that scene the same exact like style um, in the second one when Marty and Doc have to go back to 1955 <laughs> and he's climbing above the, his past self trying to like stop from his past self from getting beat up by Biff's thugs. It's, it's so, so good because he's still like the past version of him is still jamming out and looking awkward while the 50s teens are just looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Very iconic. <laughs> All right. Well done on the first fill-in-the-blank question. Let's move on to question number two. In the movie School of Rock, Dewey Finn is trying to convince his roommate, Ned, to give up teaching and return to rocking. He states the following, 
You're the cross-dressing, blood-sucking incubus from blank. That's the real you. Hmm. Maggot death. That is correct. Let's go. I was hoping you'd be able to get those ones. Kind of a total throwaway line in the grand scheme of things of School of Rock. But I feel like this movie is endlessly quotable. And this is definitely one that I, I love to say. Absolutely. And that, that's a great one. And honestly, like it, that was almost, it wasn't a, a full-on trick question, but there's a band that exists called Megadeth. And, and you know, it, it, those two sound so similar. And it's like, hmm, but no, Megadeth is already a band. So it's like, I really had to think. I was like, I think it's Megadeth. And I was <laughs> very, very, I honestly, I, I'm assuming because Mike White, who plays uh, Ned in that movie, he yeah. also helped write the movie. I think he's just the sole writer. Um so I, I had no doubt that he also like wrote that line, and it is yeah exactly that. Even the throwaway quote unquote not as important lines are just as recognizable. Oh yeah, I mean that movie is full of them. Where yes. it, you know it's just it's a really magical movie, one of my favorites of all time, and it's mainly Jack Black being himself, but it's also Miranda Cosgrove's in it, a young Miranda Cosgrove yes. by that. Um, I forgot the woman who plays the principal. She does a fantastic job. It, again, it's just a great movie. Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack, yeah, yes. Yeah, she's hilarious. And honestly, everything I see her in, she's hilarious. Yeah. But, you know, especially School of Rock. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then um, the ex-girlfriend, or or, or the, the girlfriend of Ned. Um, I'm trying to remember. Silver, Sarah, Sarah Silverman, Silverman is in it, yeah. You know, just a really good cast of people who just know how to make this movie you know, undeniably memorable. Speaking of undeniable, that soundtrack too. Is yes. Really, really oh my God. Good. And it's not, you know, it's cool because uh, one of the songs is the actual, the school of rock song, the, the teacher's pet one, but there's also like, yeah, the soundtrack has like the who has the doors has a lot of, a lot it's of classic good, rock. Yeah. It's classic rock, which is what he's trying to like initially teach his, cause the, this is, I love the story of school of rock where he's, he's teaching kids who just don't know rock and roll at yes. all. And he's like, what? Oh, what are they teaching Jesus. in this place? Motorhead. <laughs> like, and then he's asking, well, what bands do you like? And they're like, Puff Daddy. Wrong. <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Who? Come on. What? Come on. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, fantastic. Funny. Okay. Well, you're on a roll right here, Nick. You have gotten two of two of our fill in the blank questions correct. Let's see if you can make a perfect run getting all three correct in our fill in the blank section with our third question. This one's from Terminator 2. John Connor is confronted by two men, and the T-800 steps in to break it up. The T-800 pulls out a gun, but John pushes his arm so that it misses. John says, Jesus, you were going to kill that guy. And the T-800 responds, blank. The T-800 responds, and I quote, of course, I'm a Terminator. That is correct. Let's go. Well done, Nick. Completing our fill in the blank section. Three out of three. I wasn't sure if you were going to get this one because, again, it's kind of a just one-off line. Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense that he would say, of course, of course I'm, I'm a Terminator. Because he is. He is. And it's, it's and I do remember that scene, though, because it is really shocking. Because at first, the John Connor is the young 
punk kid. He's just trying to get those ki- guys riled up to see if he can get his own Terminator to just act in. But then when he's like about to kill him, he's like, "Okay, wait, I gotta, I gotta g- draw some boundaries real quick. Don't <laughs> kill them." <laughs> right. I mean, it really exposes the T800s inhumanity yeah. in that moment, and kind of gives us a place to start as we progress towards making him into, at the very least, an android who understands yes. humans better. Which at the end of the movie, it totally like like that's the thing. That's the lesson that Sarah Connor, like like her last message monologue after he sacrifices himself, is so great because because she, she's just like it, it's crazy that someone who was built for murder and 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 elimination can learn that humans can live together peacefully. And she, and she's like the last line of Terminator Two is just like maybe we can too. And I'm like, dang, that's it's, it's so deep. It's a hopeful message, yes. And it's really, uh, you can't give them enough credit for taking what Terminator 1 set up and then just expanding on it so much more. So much more. I mean, it's just so, Terminator 2 is just so much more thematically rich and gives you so much more to think about. Not to say anything is wrong with the, the original Terminator, Terminator one, yeah. but that one to me is more of like a th- like a thriller kind of slasher almost as opposed to what Terminator 2 is, which kind of Action. has all these, well, action set pieces and also these themes that are uh, like based in family. You know, you have like the mother-son relationship, mm. the like surrogate father-father relationship. Yes. Uh, it's it's just really, there's so much there. It's very good. And, and you know, it, it's like you said, it makes sense why Terminator 2 is just so much more culturally impactful. Also, like when I was a kid, I first ever heard about Terminator was through Universal Studios, like ride slash performance, uh, ter- literally called T2 Terminator 2 like 3D battle across time like it totally is it's it's a sequel to the sequel and it's really really cool to watch because it's it's it made me like realize what the Terminator like used to be because I had heard about the origin of the first Terminator that he was meant for destruction and for killing humans but this one is some pre-program and decided to protect he's the hero instead of the villain oh yes and the villain for Terminator 2 is also incredible it's a liquid metal robot that's like how are we going to be able to stop this guy it's yes. very very good it's one of the examples it's kind of a counter example to what i was saying about uh the special effects it's like better yeah. than practical because the t-1000 still looks amazing today yeah and it's it's just and that was special effects yeah mind-blowing mm-hmm. how well they did with the technology they had in the day it took so many hours of processing and so much money yeah. to the t-1000 the 90s to, too. to look the way they did yeah and and you know james cameron he is the type of director who is like he, as soon as the technology catches up to his vision, then he pulls the trigger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that, I mean, that's a great example. I mean, that's why it. we've had to wait so long for the second Avatar. I mean, yeah, yes. it's, it's like you said, James Cameron is very he he likes to he's he likes to perfect his craft, and I honestly admire that as an artist. Well, Nick, you are doing great so far. You've gotten six correct out of eight possible so you have six points going into our third and final game we're calling this game real or fiction i'll give you two stories from behind the scenes of a popular film one of them is real and one of them is fiction pick the real story to win a point sound good sounds fabulous let's do it all right let's play this first set of stories is from Rocky. So I'll read you both stories, and then after I'll ask you to choose which one is real or fake. Here's your first story. 
Most of the scenes of Rocky jogging through Philadelphia were shot guerrilla style with no permits, no equipment, and no extras. The shot where he runs past the moored boat, for example, the crew were simply driving by the docks, and John G. Alvildsen saw the boat and thought it would make a good visual. So he had Sylvester Stallone simply get out of the van and run along the quays, while Alvinson himself filmed from the side door. A similar story concerns the famous shot of Rocky jogging through the food market. As he runs, the stall keepers and the people on the sidewalks can clearly be seen looking at him in bemusement. While this works in the context of the film to suggest they're looking at Rocky, in reality, they had no idea why this man was running up and down the road being filmed from a van. So there's your first story about behind the scenes on Rocky. Let's go to the other story. Rocky famously started his morning with a glass full of raw eggs. But do you know the story behind where the eggs came from? Sylvester Stallone actually owns his own chickens and enjoys harvesting their eggs for use in his kitchen. It was his idea to include a scene where Rocky eats raw eggs, since it was actually a part of his workout plan. Right as principal filming began, Sylvester Stallone contracted salmonella poisoning from eating so many raw eggs. As a result, he stopped eating raw eggs altogether, and the eggs used in the movie are props, a combination of clear syrup and jello. To this day, Stallone does not recommend that anyone eat raw eggs. So, Nick, you get to decide which is the real story and which one is fiction. Is it Rocky's jogging through Philadelphia with no extras, or is it Rocky eating fake eggs? I believe out of those two stories, the fake one is Rocky eating raw eggs. That is correct. The real story was... Rocky jogging through Philadelphia with no extras. During this scene, the famous shot where the stall owner throws Rocky an orange was completely improvised by the stall owner, who had no idea that a movie was being filmed and that he would be in it. Let's go. Love that. I, I think I had heard that they had been filming, like, just spectating. Like, they just filmed that guerrilla style. Um, but also... Um, the reason I, I had a feeling that the other story was fake is because there's a deleted scene in the sixth Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa, <laughs> where he drinks eggs again. Um, and so I was like, hmm, interesting. So there you go. That was a good, that was a good way to throw. That's oh yeah, that was, I wrote that one and, and I always was disgusted by him drinking yeah. all those eggs. Cause it's not, it's also not like one or two or three. It's like a ton yeah, of he eggs. Like, he, he cracks at least three or four. It's so many. It's so many. And it's, like... it's disgusting to me. Uh, but you know, it, it works. I mean, who am I to tell Rocky how to you know, get his nutrition? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. You can cook them or you can just say, Hey, you just get, eliminate your time. And just I guess right so. down the gullet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, You've gotten one point so far in our final game, and this is going to be the final question of our final game. This next one is about Toy Story, so I'm going to read you both of these behind-the-scenes stories, and you tell me which is the real one. Pixar wanted to use Hasbro's G.I. Joe in the first film, setting him up as a pro-America pseudo-propaganda character within the film. G.I. Joe would become best friends with Buzz Lightyear, seeing him as a fellow service member. He would also constantly push the envelope on revealing the true nature of the toys to Andy by leaving American flags out everywhere and leaving enlistment brochures around his room for Andy to find. 
The original ending sequence, in which Buzz and Woody chase the moving truck, was scripted to have G.I. Joe fly a remote-controlled jet plane to rescue Woody and Buzz from Sid's dog, a la Maverick in Top Gun. The original intention was to have Tom Cruise voice G.I. Joe and to have the second movie be based around Andy heading to boot camp after enlisting. The plans fell through when Hasbro learned that the filmmakers wanted to have Sid blow up a G.I. Joe doll, so they denied their request to feature G.I. Joe. So that's our first story with uh, Pixar's Toy Story featuring G.I. Joe. Now we'll look at our other story. Early scripts for Toy Story featured a Barbie doll in a prominent role as Woody's love interest. The original ending sequence, in which Buzz and Woody chase the moving truck, was scripted to have Barbie drive her Corvette off the truck and rescue Woody and Buzz from Sid's dog, a la Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Mattel, the company that owns the Barbie character, declined on the basis that they thought the film would be a failure and they didn't want Barbie to have a defined personality, preferring to let children imagine Barbie's personality traits on their own. Thus, Barbie was dropped from the script and her character was reworked into that of Bo Peep. So, of our stories, which one is real and which one is fiction? Is it Pixar wanting to use Hasbro's G.I. Joe in the first Toy Story? Or is it Pixar wanting to use Mattel's Barbie in a prominent role in the first film? I believe that the fake story is the second one where uh, they wanted to use Mattel's Barbie for because she's eventually in the second one. Um, and also, I believe I have heard rumors about G.I. Joe maybe like um, almost being in Toy Story. So I believe the fake story is the second one about Barbie. That is incorrect yeah it actually turns out that after the success of the first film mattel did allow barbie to be in toy story 2 but they had they had missed out on their opportunity to have it in in toy story 1 you were kind of correct and this one was a tough one okay because it's true that pixar wanted to use gi joe in the first film and it's true that hasbro wouldn't let them because Because of sid Sid blowing up a gi that was the thing i didn't know about yeah so um, they ended up having uh, Combat Carl be mm. one of the background toys that basically stands in. He's actually also uh, voiced by Carl Weathers uh, from uh, the uh, Predator. Yeah, oh, and Pr- Predator, but he's also Apollo Creed in Rocky. Boy, right. he actually has speaking lines in Toy Story? Uh, I looked it up. Apparently in Toy Story 4, he has some sort oh, of... I haven't seen Toy Story 4. I have, but like he, I, I, have, I only saw it once, and I don't remember. Combat Carl is so you know, OG. Because <laughs> yeah. I do remember in Toy Story 1, them saying, oh no, it's a Combat Carl. Like, I do remember yes. that being a line <laughs> in Toy Story. So it's like, damn, that was a tough one, but a, a good, good you know, mind warp. Yeah, and I definitely made up all the stuff about Tom Cruise and that him was doing good. a jet plane. That was good. So, yeah. But um, but you still did fantastic. You got one of two of our uh, final questions in our real or fiction section. Uh, and we'll tally your points now. And your final score in the very first ever Apple Chat movie trivia game show. It's... 7 out of 10, which means you got 7 points and you are the first champion of the Apple Chat Movie Trivia Game Show. Congratulations. Haha, thank you so much. I feel like such a winner. 
You are a winner, Nick, and we're all winners for having you on today and listening to your uh, your opinions on these movies and talking about how you experienced them. Uh, And we just really want to thank you for coming on here and joining us on our inaugural uh, Apple Chat Movie Trivia Game Show. I'm hoping that maybe we could do this again someday. Maybe see if other moviegoers out there can challenge for your crown and potentially try to uh, score more points than you did. Definitely. So, uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us on Affable Chat. Nick, where can the people find you? Well, the people, the public, all you guys can check me out and find all my information um, under my link tree, which is um, linktree.com slash ndhtheartist. Um, on there you can find all my social media and all the areas you can stream my music original music yes fantastic Um, you know you've been coming out with new stuff and there's more on the way I'm told yes so we'll definitely have to keep an ear out for that but once again Nick thank you so much for being on the Apple Chat Movie Trivia Game Show and thank you the listener for tuning in to our inaugural episode you can subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play or wherever you get your podcasts affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet there you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts including our twitter instagram tiktok and youtube all are at affablechat and even our email address applechat at gmail.com if you liked this episode then tell a friend about it all you have to say is have you considered listening to affable chat that's gonna do it for this episode for apple chat i'm benjamin Thanks for listening.